Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. And tonight I've asked my four experts, including myself, so I guess it's I asked my three experts, to give us one stock that they think will do well over the next year, where you'll make some money, have reliable, quality businesses. I've got June Bay Lu from Tribeca Alpha Plus, got Julia Lee from Berman Invest, and Paul Ricard from the Switch Report, and also I'll throw my tuppence in there as well. Now, before I go to, uh, to uh, Julia Lee, let me give you my thinking on the subject. You know, if I wanted to play it safe, I'd probably go for a company like Qantas, where the experts on FN Arena and the FN Arena surveys company analysts or experts specialising in looking at these companies and trying to work out where they're heading. Now, the average for, for Qantas is about 9.2% upside. And I think that's believable because as the Aussie economy reopens and we start flying again, I think a company like Qantas, its profits will improve, the attitude towards Qantas will improve and the share price will go up. Another company I like, which is also part of the reopening trade because that's what Qantas is benefiting from, the reopening of the economy trade is a company called Tyro, which I've invested in. I've invested in Qantas as well. I'm, I invest in, in companies I've got skin in the game with. But I think Tyro is a, a company where we go to the cafes or pubs or restaurants and you see a Tyro machine there when you put your credit card there after the meal. This is a company that will do better once we start going out again. So I figure it's going to do well. The market's kind of anticipating it, but I think progressively over the next 12 months, this business will do uh, well. It's, it's, a, it's got a banking license and it really goes after a lot of the small businesses that use their terminals will also do business with Tyra. So I think that's a big one. But I want to go for something that's really risky. So I'm, I'm taking a bit, a bit of a, a punt here. But this is a company that has always been perceived as being a quality company, but really has been smashed in recent times. You'll see on the, uh, the chart in front of you now, this was a $40 stock. The, the name of the company is Appen. It's got a ticket code of APX. And if you go and look at what the survey of analysts are saying, they believe this company has 47.2% upside. But that's just the average. If you look at some of the individual um, analysts, they really have, every one of them thinks, thinks the stock price goes up over the next six months to a year. But the range is actually quite interesting. So you've got one saying 26% rise, another one says 17.5% rise, another one says 44.2%, and the analyst at City thinks 100.85%. Now, even if these guys are only quarter right, the you know the average would be a 12% gain, and if the guy at City or the girl at City is right, it'd be a 25% rise even if you're only quarter right. So uh, when I start looking at it, this is a company worth having a pun on. Now, when you think about it, this is also a company in the space of future business. It provides data for artificial intelligence and machine learning. And every time I talk to the smart young tech people out there, this is where we're heading. So it's kind of in the right um, industry. Uh, it's had problems. You can see it was a $40 stock. This chart on the screen shows you. But I just think, I just think this company over the next 12 months will start to improve as America, because they, they do a lot of business with the big tech companies out of Silicon Valley. As America gets back to normal, 
fingers crossed the Delta strain is actually beaten and we do get back to normal. This is a company that I reckon will be a beneficiary. Also, there's a, an analyst out there called Simply Wall Street. And this is what they said, I quote them, we think that the softer headline numbers for Appen might be getting counterbalanced by some positive underlying factors. And they also said this, we think Appen's earnings potential is at least as good as it seems and maybe even better. And on top of that, its earning per shares have grown at 65% per year over the last three years. So there's a lot of positive stuff around a stock that was perceived as being a quality company. It di didn't benef benefit from the coronavirus periods and the impact it's had on the economy. So it's probably worth a pun. I'm not saying it's a quality uh, company that you guarantee is going to hit up. I just think it's a good quality company with the ch good chance that it might actually surprise on the high side. Yes, I'm invested in it. Not a real lot. I'd like to see it go up in the right direction. And as you can see from my argument, I just put out then, there's pretty good reasons to believe that it can head in the right direction. So that's my offering for the stock that I think will do well over the next 12 months. Now let's go to Julia Lee of Berman Invest and see what she's thinking. Well, joining me now is Julia Lee of Berman Invest. And Julia, great to see you. Great to be here, Pete. Before we get that one stock that's going to be a fantastic moneymaker for everybody over the next years, fingers crossed, let's talk about what happened today. Um, I, I know in the Switzer Report, uh, Julia, I wrote about three or four weeks ago, September is usually a pretty crummy month. Uh, but what are the, the main triggers for the, the negativity in the market today? Sure. Um, I guess if we have a look at September, if you look at the past 20 years, it has been the worst performing um, of the year. So an average return of minus 0.9%, which we're above at the moment uh, or below at the moment. So doing worse than that average. Um, but having a look at the drivers to the loss we saw in our market, because the Aussie share market was down 2%. First of all, over in the US, it was quadruple witching hour, which is the expiry of options and futures. I mean, that leads to a bit of volatility. So we see, saw a negative lead coming through from the US on Friday. Add into the mix, there's a lot of nervousness around Evergrande, which is one of China's largest property developers. So that's a, a big risk this week that we are watching. And that's caused a lot of volatility in terms of the iron ore price. In fact, having a look at the most closest futures contract, which is the October iron ore contract. And in Singapore, we saw prices falling around about 10%. So our material sector under a lot of pressure. And then add into the mix, we also see the FOMC meeting over in the US this week. This is a central bank meeting. Investors are nervous about more talk around tapering, although I think they're going to put off that decision given that we've seen weaker employment numbers, um, the risk of Evergrande, and um, I, I guess uh, just looking at those COVID numbers in the US as well, and they've been rising as well. So I guess the key for investors is whether, you know, they take some risk off the table, which we saw happening today, or whether it's a buying opportunity. Look, Pete, looking at the market and, um, you know, we 
were above 7,600 points not too long ago, and today we were around about 7,200 points. So that's a pullback of around about 5% already. And generally, at least once, if not twice a year, you see a pullback of 5 to sort of 10%. So it's a question of whether we've seen that 5% pullback or whether we see a deeper pullback to around about 10%. Previous pullbacks in the last 18 months have been very shallow. So we have started to buy on this 5% pullback. We were in about 30% cash, hoping for a bit of a pullback in September. And we've started to put a little bit of that money to work. Um, so uh, that there's been a, a bit of buying in terms of the market, even though there are some key risks uh, watching Evergrande, because I don't think the Fed's going to talk really too much um, differently to last month around tapering. Yeah, there's talk out there that Evergrande could be a, a new age Lehman Brothers. But I think, I think my, my view is that China, the Chinese government will not let a company like this fail. They will just... Uh, They'll, they'll punish the executives, but I think the company itself will be propped up by Beijing of some kind, and I don't think it'll be another Lehman Brothers. Well, I guess the difference between China and the US is that so much of it is con uh, uh, controlled by the state. Um, so last week we saw a, a big liquidity injection, I guess also ahead of that autumn harvest holiday that we are seeing around Asia. In fact, today, um, markets in Korea, Japan and China were closed um, for that holiday. And I guess that meant that uh, some of the trades that would naturally go through those markets probably found their home in Australia, given that we were open where a lot of the markets around the region were closed. Usually on a day like this, you know, it's pretty quiet because it's also school holidays here in New South Wales. But today, it, the volumes were, were quite high for a Monday. So I suspect we were seeing some uh, international uh, traders coming into the Australian market, given a lot of our region was closed today. And remember, you, you being a parent, no, school holidays have been on for a long, long, long time in Sydney and Melbourne. Okay, <laughs> let's go to your the stock. Because you, know, you said you're you're holding cash, you must have bought some stuff today. So, what's the the one Julia Lee destroyer stock that's going to do well over the next twelve months? I think this is a good time to talk about um, sort of what I look for when I'm looking for um, yeah. companies that I think will go up in value. And one thing that we do look for is an improving outlook. I also like to look at not only cyclical trends, but structural trends in the market. These are big shifts in terms of the market. And today we saw all commodities being sold off. It was a little bit like the baby being thrown out with the bathwater. So I can understand, you know, iron ore, the fundamentals are relatively weak at the moment because there's a risk of construction slowdown. And of course, iron ore is the key ingredient in steel, which is used for building buildings and as well as infrastructure. So look, I'd be re visiting that iron ore space probably uh, towards the end of the year in December because I think iron ore prices will be relatively weak till about February when we see the Beijing Winter Olympics and after that's on we might see a bit more spending in terms of infrastructure and ramping up in terms of steel but in terms of those structural trends at the moment outside of iron ore there's other trends that are happening as well and the world is moving towards net zero and that's uh, causing money flows as well as I guess um, the way investments are happening in the commodity space to change. So I still think that um, electric vehicles and the battery story isn't over. We did see a bigger fall in terms of some of those companies today. So it wasn't unusual to see an 8 to 10% fall in some of these companies, but that was simply because it was a risk-off market. When we do see prices fall this much, 
generally the higher beta or the higher volatility stocks tend to form more. And that's exactly what we saw. It wasn't that the underlying fundamentals of the company has changed. And when we see that disconnect, often I see the opportunity to jump in there. The other area I like, which I've spoken a lot about, Pete, is uh, the fertilizer area. Look, fertilizers in Europe are reaching a record price. And the part of that story is because of the electricity price over there, which is at record highs. But fertilizer companies here in Australia are in a good spot. And I think a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about New Farm. That mm-hmm. stock has continued to rally, but we also like Incitec Pivot as well. So we've been adding to positions in Incitec Pivot today as well. And I guess the good thing about some of these fertilizer companies is that they don't report in August. Um, they report in November. So there's an extra little catalyst down the road as well. So I'm liking those uh, fertilizer companies, given the relatively good weather we've been seeing here in Australia for planting and cropping. Okay, but you, you've got to give me the one stock, the one of all the ones you've done, because like, for example, you've done fantastic, well, Pilgrim Minerals, I guess Pilgrim's come off today. Um, you know, but that's been a, a really good call of yours. But what's the one that if, if, your, your beloved relative came to you and said, Julia, you're the genius. I want to make money. What's the one stock that you would um, say, I'm going to make money out of this year? Well, if you're looking the next six months, I'd probably say Oracle because they are due to um, come out with uh, a a better estimate of their resource, which I think will be a positive event. Um, And of course, the growth story there. But if you're talking about the next one year, um, probably New Farm, I think it's oversold at the moment. The market's too pessimistic. It's already started to bounce back. But I think that bounce is going to continue. Okay. Thanks, Julia. Love putting you on the spot. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the program. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. Up now is Junbei Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Junbei Lu, great to see you. Great to be here, Peter. Before I get your your stock for the year that will make you lots of money out of, (laughs) let's talk about today. How worried are you about the sell-off today? Look, I'm not very worried. Um, Share market has performed very well since the beginning of the year until now. We're really just taking a bit of off the table. Um, If you look at what's being selling off, it's really everything. So really just investors taking some money off the table, given they made a lot of money and we had a good reporting season um, and just really, you know, just take a bit of breather. That's all it is. Yeah. And September is renowned for being a a, a pretty crazy um, Mm. month for stocks, isn't it? Yeah, normally September actually have proven to be pretty weak for most of share markets um, around the world, actually. And normally the share market does come bounce back quite sharply around um, October and December quarter normally is a pretty good quarter to end the year um, as people, uh, investors are become more optimistic heading into the year and, and Christmas. Um, and this year we certainly expect so as well, just simply because, you know, we uh, we just gone through the Delta variant and the lockdown and everything. But in the next few months, we really 
really will have the economies reopen um, and you have more mobility, people are uh, spending on services and the like. So you will see better economic data in the next few months. Yeah. What about the, the question marks over that company called Evergrande in, in China? Yeah, that's a really yeah, that's a really good question. That's the second largest uh, property developer in China. The problem it has is that it's got look, it has a lot of debt, and now it can't pay back a lot of its debt. And but the uh, the thing is that most of its debt is within China. It's not actually from foreign investors. And um, uh, the the issue is if it goes, um, it couldn't repay its interest payment. Not only um, it's uh, there's stranded homeowners and millions of employees. Um, it's also uh, issued a lot of. Uh, um, uh, you know, create issue a lot of wealth products. So there's a lot of investors for many of, of its other products. So mm -hmm. potentially um, that was a bit of a worry that, um, you know, create a bit of a, a contagion across into other companies, whether it's property sector or whether it's a wealth product, um, you know, investors essentially become for sellers of those things. Now at this stage, China's on holiday and uh, this week is quite important. Um, there's expectations for the government do help out at this level uh, for them to manage its way through uh, but look at this point it certainly still seem like the problem is contained within china okay right let's move to the stock that you really like for the next year ahead and why yeah, look, um, sometimes I think the share market is a moving feast because the more uh, down days like this, the more companies I will have to, <laughs> to talk about. Uh, look, today I prepared this one, which is Ramsey Healthcare. Now, this name is actually, um, you know, we all know this company is the premium lead um, uh, private hospital group here in Australia. Uh, it's the largest um, and they owns lots of price private hospital assets in all the premium locations around Australia. Um, many years ago, it went into offshore. So it went to France and went to um, UK. And uh, in those markets, it's gradually building a very strong market share in those markets as well. So leading market private hospital operator. Um, and um, the reason we like it is because its earning has been significantly impacted by COVID. And it's, um, you know, at this stage, New South Wales elective surgery is still on hold. But all we know is the waiting list is really building up. Um, and for the brief moment when we could travel and when we could do all the surgeries, um, the waiting list, uh, well, the um, the, the uh, demand was enormous um, until the latest shutdown. So we know people are lining up to perform a lot of those surgeries and hospital surgeries are very, very defensive. Um, so this company is still trading at a price level that is below pre-COVID level. Um, it is very cheap compared to its other um, healthcare uh, uh, peers, such as the uh, Cochlear or ResMed. Um, they are trading on an uh, average of about uh, 40 times earnings, whereas uh, Res, uh, Ramsey is trading on just over 20. Um, it's looking cheaper even compared to the West Farmers, where its earnings will actually fall double digit in the next few years. So, um, you know, put it together, it's very cheap, it's very defensive, and it's a very premium um, sort of infrastructure-like um, asset operator, um, you know, at a bargain price. So to us, it's a no-brainer. Okay, and I think, you know, we may have talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and, and it has gone up ever since we started talking about it. And it was probably you who brought it up then a couple of weeks ago. But I was actually asked on Sky News this morning about the possibilities of a French reaction to the subs um, problem, you know, the, 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 mm. the rejection of the French uh, submarine contract. And it just kind of occurred to me that, 
you know, um, a, a company like Ramsey is dependent on the French government for support because all hospitals are. Have, have you considered that there, there might be a curveball there if the French want to get even with us? Yeah, so the key, key difference is that um, <laughs> actually this is quite different from how China would respond to <laughs> Australian companies operate there or French or, and how French uh, might respond. Now, um, as far as um, the French um, uh, consumer is concerned, um, they are, Ramsey don't operate in France in, its, uh, in the Ramsey brand. They bought a local business and then still operated by the local management, 100%. Okay. So they are become a capital partner. They bought into it. And then they brought expertise and then a lot of back end and things. But the front end, there's still French people running those businesses um, because it is expertise. In, Fr in France, relationship is very important. You can't just, uh, Renzi didn't just go in there, completely change the management and replace with Aussie, um, you know, that sort of management. So it is still considered French business. And so we just haven't had a significant example of crew like what, um, you know, the Chi Chinese businesses uh, or Chinese um, companies that have responded or consumer has responded to some of those um, business that do operate in China. Yeah, I know. I, I guess we sometimes assume that what China does could be mirrored by other nations, but there is a tendency for other nations to play a little bit fairer than Beijing. <laughs> Look, we'll see how that play out in Beijing. It certainly is getting to a point uh, where we will see more um, news flow and the like coming through in the next few weeks uh, on that front. Geopolitical tension is picking up, um, as we have seen all the headlines. Uh, but at this point, it's still, um, in my view, still doesn't upset uh, a stronger share market sort of investment yeah. thesis. One last one, Junbei. Um Obviously, the iron ore uh, miners have come off the boil, their share prices down. Um, do you ever buy miners if you think they're good value? I do buy miners. I think they represent opportunity to make um, to make a really significant return. Now, iron ore miners, um, we have made a lot of money out of them in the last um, you know pretty last two years, um, and um, you know the, the the price has come off significantly. Now, the iron ore miners certainly looks very cheap, but it is too early to buy those names at this stage. Now, I do like some of the other names where the uh, the commodity price is well supported. So things like lithium, you know. If you look at the current lithium prices um, and then you mark to market, the lithium operators um, such as Pilbara or Aura Cobre, uh, the earnings would double. So, you know, you, you do want to play in uh, commodity companies that has um, earnings upgrade to come through rather than downgrade for the, you know, iron ore miners earnings really downgrade that's coming through now. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the program. Talk to you in two weeks time. Big soon. Thank you. And that was June Bailu of Tribeca Alpha Plus. And before going to Paul Rickard, I want to remind you that the Switzer's sixth small and micro cap virtual investor day is on Tuesday. That's next Tuesday, the 28th of September from 9am to midday. Now, if you're looking to stay ahead of the market and discover companies with growth potential before other investors, maybe this might be the event for you. As a valued subscriber, you get exclusive free access to our event. It is our mission to bring you practical, actionable and expert recommendations at our virtual events when it comes to growing your wealth. And you'll get a chance to A, listen to the MD or CEO of CEOs of these companies, and you'll also get a chance to ask them questions as well. 
Of course, we're not recommending these companies. We're just putting them on show for you to have a look at. And I've got to say the history of this microcap conference is lots of these companies have done very, very well. Now you'll see on the screen right before you, the companies that will be presenting next week. I hope you can join us. And if you do, just go to our website and register for the event. Well, joining me now is Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. And Paul, I've challenged you with the same as uh, I have with everybody else. One really good stock for a year that we will definitely make money out of. What's your hot stock? Well, you know me, Peter. I came up with two, not one, just to make it more difficult for you. One I'd describe as uh, a bit riskier than the other. I'll go with the risky one first, and that's Qantas. Uh, it's gone up a little bit in the last uh, month or so, particularly as Alan Joyce has talked more and more about getting Qantas ready for uh, a December liftoff. But I think we're seeing so many signs now, Peter, that that's going to happen mm. uh, with the vaccination rates in, uh, in, in New South Wales and Victoria. We're also seeing both states or at least three states now talk about home quarantine. That's really important for Australians wanting to go overseas. The last thing people want to do is spend two weeks cooped up in a hotel room with no fresh air. That's a real barrier. So these sort of things are actually giving, I think, a lot of uh, impetus to uh, getting the airline back and flying internationally. There's huge pent-up demand. We've seen what it's done overseas. We knew that during the pandemic, uh, Qantas took a lot of steps to, to change its cost base. It's also going to benefit enormously from the collapse and, and the rebirth of Virgin. That's got to be a long-term positive. And then they've rejigged their international schedules and got rid of a lot of unprofitable routes. So when the, the economy starts to fly again, and I mean that literally, I think Qantas is going to do really well. My only concern is it's already had a fair bit in the price, but I think there's a bit more to come, Peter, in a year's time. Those who buy Qantas will be looking back. That's the more aggressive play because, you know, um, it, it may not, they may not get to get it launched in December. Who knows what could happen? We might have an, you know, an epsilon wave or whatever comes after Delta, who knows next. But uh, mm. that's, that's the riskier one. The safer one and perhaps the more boring stock is uh, CSL, Australia's best healthcare company, Peter. Uh, I just love CSL for all the right reasons. It consistently um, outperforms. In other words, uh, it tells the market one thing, delivers results that are better. It says very little between results season. Uh, I just think it's a really well-run company. And I think this, uh, the pandemic has got to be good longer term for health companies. I think we're all going to be a lot more conscious of these things. Uh, and it, you know, once the, we get through that, that'll it, help with the collections of blood plasma in the US, will also help in terms of their influenza business, their vaccines business. Yeah, so when you, you look at CSL, Paul, and you're right, it is, it is a more boring stock consistent with your personality. And I, I suspected you would do that. It's amazing that you went for a risky one. Well, you know me, Peter, I want to keep you on your toes, but I went for the riskier one first, right? That's right. And it's interesting because both you and I, a few years back, used to say we'd never buy airlines or insurance companies. But uh, Qantas, you're right, has he's got that less competitiveness from Virgin. I think John Borghetti was far more aggressive in mm -hmm. trying to take on Alan Joyce, particularly with business uh, uh, flights. Uh, but the interesting thing also is, Paul, that both stocks really are what you might call reopening trade stocks because they both suffered during the, the, the coronavirus period, uh, in the case of CSL, why don't you explain to the audience why CSL, a blood plasma business really, had difficulties during the coronavirus period in 2020? 
Yeah, look, it, it's main business is, is the products that come out of blood plasma, and it's about 85% of its profit comes out of that. It's also got a, a vaccines business, but look, that's small vickies compared to blood plasma. And the reason uh, it, I want to say it did a tough pet, it still managed to lift revenue and lift profit, but it didn't do it quite at the perhaps at the pace it, it was probably planning to, was that in the United States where most of the blood plasma is collected, it tends to come from what you might describe as working class American blue collar cities. Uh, most of the donors get paid uh, to deliver blood. And, and during the pandemic, when a lot of the cities were locked up, um, donations stalled a little bit. They had to put a lot more expense in terms of, of collecting the actual specimens. A lot of people were turned away because uh, they couldn't prove they'd been vaccinated or they didn't have COVID, couldn't pass a test. So it actually disrupted the supply of blood plasma products. And CSLs always argue it's not so much the demand for the products they make, it's actually about the collection uh, of the blood plasma. So that's probably the major reason. There's probably also, I guess, uh, on the demand side, Peter, some of the um, yeah, there's a general slowdown in, in some of the, the, the operations and, and the things that people diagnose CSL products for, mm -hmm. uh, I guess probably didn't help as well. But look, that's been the main reason. And uh, but they're still forecasting, you know, good uh, revenue growth this year and good profit growth. And it, the only problem with CSL, Peter, is the multiple. Trades are a pretty big multiple because it's been such a great performing stock. You know, it's on a model of almost 40 times earnings. Now, if we get a sustained re-rating of models, we go into a big bear market, I guess that's going to come down. But my guess is CSL is going to be one of those companies that's going to be well supported even in a bear market. So that's why I think it's a more, more dependable bet. Um, you won't make as much, but there's a lot less downside than there is in quantas. But uh, there's two. I know you asked for one, but I thought I'd be just a little bit different. Uh, well, I, I know I'm going to probably put three forward, but only just... <laughs> drill down to the one I'll, I'll put my um, reputation on. But Paul, another interesting point is also that because of the coronavirus, less car driving, less car smashes, probably even lower crime rates, people were staying home and not out there committing crime. All that sort of stuff means even less demand for blood. So you've got supply and demand. And you're right, a lot of hospitals that used to do elective surgery were doing coronavirus type things and where blood wasn't really required. There's more ventilators, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's a little bit of the demand side, but it's mainly been a supply issue. So I think that that company's well primed. And again, CSL, 90% of its revenue is outside Australia. So it's not really what's happening here in Australia. It's what's happening in the United States and Europe that really matters. And uh, the economy is opening up a lot more, or has opened a lot quicker than it has in Australia. So I think CSL should do pretty well uh, in uh, the next 12 months. Okay, Paul, thanks for joining us. That's Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. If you want to check out the Switzer Report, Go to switchreport.com.au and you can take a 21 free day trial. See you, mate. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Peter. And that was Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And don't forget, next Tuesday, September 28th, the Microcap Conference. If you want to go to uh, the event, just click on in the link in the description below.